Hello and welcome to It's Not History, It's Her Story. I'm Alexis and I'll teach you about forgotten women in her story. Frances Perkins served FDR time as Secretary of Labor. She's our first woman. She was the first woman on the presidential cabinet. Not a literal cabinet. The presidential cabinet is a group of presidential advisors. Basically, people who handle all sorts of different things like the Labor Department. Now, Perkins said lots of inspiring things to encourage women like, go forward, attempt great things, accomplish great things. She was really smart, too. She enrolled, She majored in both chemistry and physics. I myself am not great at either, so I respect that. Perkins was always fascinated by economics as well, though. She was really devoted to the workers of America. She visited factories, interviewed workers, and took note on their wages, hours, and working conditions. Frances Perkins learned the cold, hard facts of industrial life. She went to Philly in 1907. Her job was to investigate phony employment agencies, which was a job that required a tough person. While in Philadelphia, she enrolled at the Wharton School of Finance and Com- Commerce at the University of Pennsylvania in an effort to expand her knowledge of economics. After two years, she moved to New York and attended Columbia University, working to get a graduate degree in political science. She became heavily involved in the women's suffrage movement. She advocated for women's rights on street corners, protests, and in meetings. Then she joined the National Consumers League, where she worked for the elimination of child labor and the creation of a shorter work week. In 1911, she invited President Roosevelt, the Big Cheese, to a league meeting. He declined, but this marked the beginning of her growing reputation, which apparently wasn't big enough because most people don't even know who she is. But I guess we'll just get to that later. On March 25, 1911, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory happened in the good old Big Apple. Frances Perkins happened to watch the terrible scene. But seriously, what are the chances? Anyway, the factory employed hundreds of workers, mostly young and impoverished women, as a result of poor safety regulations, such as bad fire escapes and locked doors, the workers could not escape the fire. One by one, desperate women jumped to their deaths from upper floors of the factory. 146 workers died that day. Perkins immediately took action and found ways to prevent future workplace tragedies. Recommended by Theodore Roosevelt. Wow. She was named executive secretary of, com- on the, of a committee on safety. The committee was key in creating the New York State Factory Investigating Commission, a legislative panel that investigated factories and other workplaces to make sure they were safe enough. In 1929, New York State Governor Franklin D. Roosevelt appointed Frances Perkins as the industri- Industrial Commissioner of the State of New York. You should know, lots of these facts come from fdrlibrary.org. Anyway, when the stock market crashed in 1929, Perkins encouraged FDR to take action. FDR became the first American governor to really say that unemployment was a major national problem. He created a committee on employment and put Perkins in charge. She traveled to England. Wow, traveled to England. That's one committed woman. Anyway, she traveled there to study its unemployment compensation program in order to make a similar program in the United States. So I guess I should be saying thanks to England and thanks to Perkins. In January 1930, Miss Perkins made news when she publicly contradicted President Herbert Hoover about the nation's economic and unemployment problems. By the way, this is during the Great Depression. In 1932, when Perkins was elected Secretary of Labor, she tried to change the fact that anywhere from 13 to 18 million people were unemployed. The Civilian Conservation Corps, 
FCCC, which provided unskilled, unmarried men manual labor jobs in the conservation and development of natural resources, was supported by Perkins. It made the CCC a success. I know I missed some stuff in her life, but I'm going to move you to a little later. Here we go. Perkins watched Hitler's rise worriedly. Perkins tried to aid refugees by creatively administering quota regulations. She was able to help thousands of refugees. I'm going to end her life here, which sounds a little weird, but she did much more than I said, and I said a lot. Research her sometime. Our next forgotten woman, Buell Henry, had a cool nickname. Lady Edison. Yep, you guessed it, she was an inventor. Here's a small list of only some of her awesome inventions. The protograph, a typographical device that produced an original and four typewritten copies without carbon paper. A lock stitch bobbinless sewing machine, the first of its kind. An umbrella with interchangeable snap-on covers to coordinate with whoever was using it. The kitty clock, which helped children learn how to tell time. The misillusion doll, with eyes that changed colors at the touch of a button. Want more inventions? Just look it up. She made lots of cool, handy stuff. This awesome inventor was self-educated, too. There's probably lots of stuff I didn't include, so do your own research, please. Now on to our next one, Rosalind Franklin. She was a scientist. She discovered the double helix structure of DNA. Franklin also contributed to the understanding of the structures of RNA, viruses, coal, and graphite. The worst part is no one knows who she is, but we'll get to that later, I promise. I just wanted to say she went to Cambridge and got a major in chemistry. She also became an air raid warden. That means she guided people to safe places during air raids. Now on to Sybil Ludington. Picture this. It's April 26, 1777, and your father is a colonel in the Continental Army. It is planting season, so his men have spread far apart. News of an attack on a local place called Danbury reaches your father. Soon, you find yourself on a horse warning your father's men that the British are coming, and you're only 16. They lose the battle, but you know that wasn't your fault. Yep, this is Sybil Ludington's claim to fame. But she did lots of other things, too. When her husband died of yellow fever in 1799, leaving her to raise her son alone, she bought a tavern. Using money from this, she paid for her son to go to college and become a loyal lawyer. She died at age 77. Mary McLeod Bethune grew up with 16 siblings. Her parents were freed slaves. They worked really hard and got enough money to buy a cotton farm. By age nine, Mary could pick around 250 pounds of cotton. So here's a recap of her childhood or teenage years and part of adulthood. She graduates college, becomes a teacher, gets married, moves, has a son, and then her marriage unfortunately ends. She's really determined to support her son. Remind you of anyone? Anyway. She opens a school for Negro girls. Her school merged with another in 1929. She did lots after this, so I'm just going to put it in a timeline. In 1924, she was elected president of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs, and in 1935, she became the founding president of the National Council of Negro Women. She also helped in the transition of black voters from the Republican Party, AKA the Party of Lincoln, to the Democratic Party during the Great Depression. In 1936, Bethune became the highest-ranking African-American woman in the government when President Franklin Roosevelt named her Director of Negro Affairs of the National Youth Administration, where she remained until 1944. She was also a leader of 
FDR's unofficial black cabinet, in 1937, Bethune organized a conference on the problems of Negro and Negro youth and fought to end discrimination and lynching. In 1940, she became a vice president of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored Persons, a position she held for the rest of her life. As a member of the advisory board that in 1942 created the Women's Army Corps, Bethune ensured it was racially integrated. Bethune was the only woman of color at the founding conference of the United Nations in 1945. She regularly wrote for the leading African-American newspapers like the Pittsburgh Courier and the Chicago Defender. She was also a great businesswoman. All research from womenshistory.org, so thanks to them. Did you know there's a National Women's Month and Day? National Women's Month is March. National Women's Day is August 9th. Now let's explain why these amazing women were forgotten. Frances Perkins was probably forgotten because she isn't in any public school system curriculum, and if she was, she would be very briefly mentioned. It's sad, but very true. Mary McLeod Bethune was probably forgotten for close to the same reason. Sybil Ludington was probably forgotten because, one, they lost the battle, and two, Paul Revere outshined her. Fun fact, he actually didn't outshine her. Ludington rode twice as far as him. Rosalind Franklin was probably forgotten, mainly because she died four years before she could get the prize. Would she have been awarded it? Historians say probably not. She, of course, was a woman. A conspiracy theory is that some fellow scientists stole her data. This theory is backed up by a few facts. Unfortunately, no one's quite sure why Beulah Henry was forgotten. I mean, she only had 49 inventions, which is still a lot. Did you know? Hillary Clinton is the first woman to have her picture in the White House wearing pants. Now let's head into the summary. From really cool scientists to a variety of different rights activists, there are a lot of forgotten people. It's terrible, but true. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening to my podcast. also encourage you all to do your own research on forgotten people. My name is Alexis Sever, and once again, thanks for listening. Bye!